My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to go to church. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is an episode of television, a great episode of television, or a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end because we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. I cannot stress enough how much I want you to get in touch with me. If you have ever sniffed or looked upon in real life Jeffrey Donovan. I I am now also accepting stories about Jeffrey Donovan. But mostly I just want him in particular. I need Wicked Pissa JD himself. What you're, what you're really trying to do is start a kind of Discovery Channel Bigfoot hunting show about Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah, speaking of, I also need, um, what's his name, Attenborough's Jeffrey? No, what is his name? David Attenborough. Attenborough? David Attenborough. I also need David Attenborough's contact information so that we can do a National Geographic style like deep dive into Jeffrey Donovan. Is he uh, alive? And anyways, yeah, I think so. Do we know if he's alive? I feel like. Uh, I feel like maybe shit. he died recently. Years active, 1952 to present, bitch. That uh, motherfucker is 93 years old. Well, fuck 93 me. years young. Maybe the other Attenborough died. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Is there, an, is there another Attenborough? Yeah, the guy who was in Jurassic Park. Who's that? The the guy who plays like the guy who created Jurassic Park, you know? Well what's no, what's his first name? I think it's Richard, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. Oh, okay, hang on. That's his brother. Yeah, they're related. No. Was he a member of the House of Lords? What? Sir Richard Yeah, he Attenborough? did. He died he, he yeah, Richard Attenborough died in twenty fourteen. Maybe that is what I'm thinking of. Okay. That was twenty fourteen, Chris. And it is now 2019. I need you to get your head in the game. Uh, but anyways, if you could get in contact with Jeffrey Donovan, David Attenborough, or the ghost of Richard Attenborough, or you Bigfoot. can... Or, yes, that also. You can send us questions, suggestions, introductions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. That's burnnoticed with a D. Cool. All right. We we we, we ch- chalked our intro full of full of jokes. So, are, do you feel all bantered out? A little bit, yeah. Uh, this is the this is the least we've had small talk with like each other before starting recording an episode. Like, I called you and we immediately started recording. Exactly. Um, so how 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 are you? I'm. You have a dog now. I have a dog now. Well, I know a dog. <laughs> you know many dogs. Well, I mean, does it does it count as your dog if your roommates have a dog that you are also an active participant in the life of? I think I prefer to think myself as like a godparent of the dog. Okay. Yeah. Who also like lives in the house? Exactly. Uh, you're like an uncle. You're like the yeah. fun uncle who exactly. like lost his job recently and has to live with the family. Yeah, that is definitely that's very accurate. How, what's it like having a dog? It's like not having a dog, but a dog is there. <laughs> wow. You make it sound so magical. My life hasn't changed so that much, except uh, one time 
uh, talking to Joe and Tony, my friends. They do a podcast. You may know about it. And only uh, one podcast. They do a singular They've only podcast. ever done one podcast. And I had to, like, stop that to walk the dog. And that was the extent of it. This is not quite the rich vein that I hoped it would be. So No, it wasn't. <laughs> so let's uh, let's jump right into it. We are talking about season two, episode nine today. It's called Good Soldier, which aired September 18th, 2008. This episode was written solo by Alfredo Barrios Jr. and directed by Jeff Freilich who is actually better known for producing and writing rather than directing. He was on Halt and Catch Fire for a few oh, seasons. Oh, that's like an actual television show that's like I know. Good. Uh, and he was the I'm creator told. of Dark Justice. I don't know what Dark Justice is. Dark Justice so. doesn't sound good. I'm gonna no, it doesn't. Out, put that out right now. I don't think that sounds good. I don't know if no, I want to be a part of it. But Halt and Catch Fire is good. So, Is it related to like the Dark Justice League? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's comic books. I think it's something else i don't know i i looked into i did a cursory glance at his imdb and pulled the first two substantial credits dark justice sounds like 2000s like cinemax softcore porn i feel like uh dark justice is an american crime drama television series about a judge who becomes a vigilante by night so that he can bring high level offenders who use technicalities to escape is that ben watkins show uh no because that's no because didn't ben watkins also created a television show about a judge who was a vigilante no that was but his was about god yeah i think it's different things hang on let me check it 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 was it ran from 1991 to 1993 oh interesting yeah ben watkins was way later way later is it just something yeah, about he, the yeah, bird? Yeah, he would have been, been too young. Uh, Carrie Ann Ross was in Dark Justice. Was there's something about the or bird notice, like, creative, like, team that just wants to see judges be vigilantes? I guess so. There, There is a theme. Something in the air. <laughs> something in the air, indeed. Uh, so anyways, the IMDb description of this episode reads, Michael and Sam are busy running counter surveillance on Carla and the sniper. However, the job is interrupted when Fiona's new boyfriend asks Michael to help a friend involved in a kidnapping conspiracy plot. I feel like there is a hallmark of Alfredo Barrios episodes that they seem to be more about family values and like threatening the family. I feel like there's more sort of like kidnapping and like the sense of like think of the children with Alfredo Barrios episodes. Do you feel this too? Yeah, Do you I, get this vibe? I, I get, get more the vibe. Like the vibe that I get from his are just that he takes a lot of the like moving the larger plot forward episodes. And so I think that he ends up needing to get like easier to explain case of the weeks so it doesn't fully overshadow the like plot stuff they're doing like his his case of the weeks tend to be a little bit less complicated so that like the he he has like the time and space to do the plot stuff that he needs to the thing is i had this thought and kidnapping watching, is pretty simple yeah but like not like specifically like the thing is i had this sort of feeling before the episode went really in on like church 
And then I was like, it oh. Went, it went really in on church. When did it go in on church? Like, like, we'll get there. Let's just talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's get into the weeds. So into the, the cold weeds. open. <laughs> the cold open is Sam and Michael staking out that building they found at the end of last week. Uh, the one with the like fancy security badges um, needed to get in. And Michael is like super antsy to get inside. Sam is like, no, don't go inside. You're going to blow your cover. And Michael's like, but I got to get in there. Um, we also learned that Sam has an FBI buddy tracking Bill Johnson, sniper extraordinaire's credit card. And he's just been in Daytona going to strip clubs. Um, and that's a fact that we know. Uh, yeah. But against Sam's advice, Michael heads inside with his little key card. Michael, at this point, I recognize has a stubble beard, and it's extremely hot, which I very much enjoyed. Um, less important than Michael's hot beard, though, is the fact that once he gets inside, what he finds is a sniper perch. So the reason that the everyone has been like shrouded in secrecy and getting into this building and for the sniper and everything is that like he he has like a long table with a sniper gun perch pointed directly out the window at like the ferry. Yeah, he's going to um, shoot someone so, on a ferry. Yes, on a particular ferry. Mm. And before Michael can really learn someone. anything else. We don't know who yet. Yes, no, we do not. Uh, and Michael, before Michael can really do any more reconnaissance, Carla gets there. And then uh, luckily, Michael's elevator, unlike every other elevator in existence, has impeccable and predictable timing. And he's able to sneak off exactly when he needs to. So Carla doesn't see him. I feel like um, throughout this scene, Michael is doing a terrible job of blending in. I feel like Michael's yeah, he's, he's like so suspicious. His eyes are darting around. He's like, he looks so suspicious. Yeah. And, but speaking of impeccable and very convenient things, uh, Sam had a tracker on him. And so he put a tracker on Carla's motorcycle so they could follow her around, I guess. Then that's the end of the cold open. Also, is it just me or did like the production team get Bluetooth headset headsets like three episodes ago? Because suddenly <laughs> they always have Bluetooth headsets on and they did not previously. I don't know if uh, I noticed the lack of them previously, but I have noticed the influx of them recently because yeah. it is, I'm sure, much more convenient to be hands-off as a spy. But it was like, did... I forget exactly when we all... We didn't all get Bluetooth headsets. I've never owned one. But when that became, like, <laughs> a lot more common, like, did it happen in 2008? I feel like it happened before that. Because, like, there were, like... Maybe not Bluetooth, but, like, there were headsets and stuff, like, yeah. back in the Palm Pilot days. And that was, like, yeah. early 2000s. That's fair. Uh, I mean, maybe Bluetooth was a thing in 2008. Like, maybe that's when it started coming up. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a fine cold open. Nothing real. Like, he goes into a building and then he comes out again. Like, it wasn't a very exciting no. sequence. We learned, like, there was a lot of exposition. But yeah. it was largely just sort of, like... So this is what's happening. Cool. Like they were just like resolving the the um, cliffhanger from last week. That's really all that that accomplished. But luckily things get a lot more exciting because as soon as we cut away from the title screen, just a ton of TNA, so much boobs, so much butts, just all up in your business. I feel like it's like there's the... I feel like the network must have said something to them because, like, I feel like we had a good chunk of this season where we weren't really getting a lot of, like, gratuitous shots. And then no. all of a sudden, like, the last few weeks, it's just back-to-back, -back, like, 
totally overdoing it. Like, hey, remember, we're in Miami and there are women here. They, they wear bathing suits and have asses. Yes. Look at them. Look at them. Look at another one. And look at another one. Like, yeah, it, just, no, it just feels like really a lot. really ramped up again. And it's weird because the show feels like a better show. Yeah, it really And does. it almost seems like you don't need to do this anymore. Like, they never did. They never should have been doing it. But, like, <laughs> there's the sense that, like, when the show was bad, it seemed like, oh, yeah, this is, like, this isn't that well written. So, of course, they're throwing in a lot of, like, scantily clad women. Because, like, that's the draw. To distract not... us. Yeah, exactly. But now it's like, no, we know what we're doing now. We don't need this. Yeah. This is why I think it's a network mandate. It's like how the first season of Game of Thrones has more nudity than, like, the later. Like, eventually they... It never stops having nudity, but it's it ever was, like, at the point of, like, Littlefinger doing plot exposition while, like, two women have sex with each other. Yeah, no, for sure. But, yeah, this is why I'm thinking it's, like, a network thing, because... It just, all of a sudden, it came back, and it was like, no, guys, I thought we'd moved on from this. USA, boobs welcome. Yeah, so speaking of boobs being welcome, it's Carla and her boobs at a hotel pool. Apparently, the tracker that they put on her shit has already paid off, and Michael and Sam are staking her out um, from, like, a room on the other side of the hotel. So basically, Sam is just getting drunk on hotel liquor and like watching this woman in a bathing suit wander around the pool sam has not learned much from his perch but he has learned how pricey the drinks at this hotel are so michael without looking at him just like throws a wad of cash at him so i'm glad we have that sorted out once again michael is paying for drinks yeah no one cares as much as this show cares and the show cares a lot that nothing really happens in the scene i think no, the, 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 there's a thing that happens in a later scene. I'll bring it up then. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, this scene is is there to be like, we're surveilling Carla now, and this is where we're doing it. Michael goes home, and at the advice of Sam, hides his key card so Carla doesn't catch it on him. But um, because he's so close, and so, you know, if, he, if she catches the key card on him now, like, all hope is lost. Up to this point, he's been very blasé about the key card. This kind of keeps laying around. Yep. I guess. Like, he just, like, kept it in his wallet next to his license and credit cards. So while he's doing this, he is interrupted by Fiona and Campbell, who come in offering Michael a yogurt drink because, quote, Fiona said you'd like it, which is very cute. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, Michael, like, gives it the nastiest look, which seems unnecessary because, like, hey, they brought you a yogurt drink, you ungrateful asshole. Yes. Yeah, Michael's very no homo with Campbell, and it comes back again in a later scene, and it's very stupid. Um, But anyways, turns out Campbell doesn't just have a great yogurt drink for Michael. He also has a case. His ambulance was first to the scene uh, of, like, a pretty bad beating, and... um, they think he thinks that Michael and Fiona should go talk to the guy who got beat up because something seems like kind of fishy. And Michael, in a stunning turn of events, does not want to do it. He does not want a job. No, thank you. He will drink his yogurt p- drink in peace while staring at a woman who's doing nothing but hanging out at a pool. Then Fiona calls his bluff and's like, "Fine, I'll do. Uh, I'll do it alone." And Michael's like, "Um, no. Okay, I'll do it." And then. That's it. He's doing it. Like, at this point, the fact that Michael doesn't want to do jobs is, like, not even funny. It's just, like, a thing that has to happen the same way that they always have to explain, like, this is why we can't go to the cops. It's, like, this is why Michael doesn't want to do the job. (laughs) It's just... Or this is why he wants to do this job because... Yeah. Like, it's it's so funny because I remember, I feel like in earlier episodes, I have, like, 
given the show shit for like not having not giving characters motivations or like praising the show when it does give a character motivation for wanting to do a job or whatever but like that doesn't mean that like he's just be like i don't want to do this job every time and then have to have a reason to do it like this is the show yeah no you're gonna do the job I know it's getting tiresome, especially because like his reasons for not wanting to do it is always just like, I'm busy, but he's never busy. It's like, get a new excuse, Michael. I just want to point out in your notes, you've written that he caves immediately like a big yogurt slurping dingus. And that's a very good note. He sure he is. He is a big yogurt slurping dingus. And I, I feel like I should say it. Yeah, I'm glad. You know what? That's really brave of you. (laughs) I'm right. And I should say it. Yes. Uh, oh. so now that no now one's that the talking about is this. on board no one's talking about how <laughs> michael like weston I... is a big <laughs> yogurt slipping yogurt slipping dingus they don't want us to say it but it's true oh. yeah they're trying to scare pe- me off they're know, trying to but, intimidate me but people are saying it lots of people but people are saying it i've heard them yeah anyway so the dingus and fiona go to meet with henry their new client henry looks just like Nate Silver. And I Nate. I just want to put that Oh, I've never I don't think I've ever seen a photo of Nate Silver. I've just heard a lot about him and seen his tweets and yeah. thought, no thank you. Yeah. Uh anyway, so Henry, aka Nate Silver, uh works for a private bodyguard company and a few weeks back someone called Lesher pulled a Michael Weston and posed as a headhunter who then started asking a lot of security questions. In Henry's case, he actually got suspicious for once and stopped taking the guy's calls. But then a few weeks later, Henry's childhood best friend died of an alleged suicide. And then Lesher called him and was like, more people will die if you don't help us. So um, things are bad. The thing that they want to do is they want to kidnap um, someone in a from the Venezuelan family called the Arroyos. This is like this really rich Venezuelan family who has like oil money, like they own an oil refinery or something. And uh, this family always hires bodyguards, like one each for the family members whenever they come into Miami. Hence why the bad guys need Henry. And they were particularly interested in the guard on the daughter of the family, Isabella. So they're trying to kidnap this daughter of an oil refinery billionaire. And they need the guy who assigns the bodyguards to help them assign a bodyguard that they can, like, blackmail and or recruit. Tomorrow, they want all the personnel files of the bodyguards uh, at this company so that they can, like, cherry pick their mark. Um, And so Michael and Fiona are like, all right, we'll give them to us first and we'll 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 make sure to get it back to you by the time that the, the bad guy needs them so fee and michael requisition all of those files as well as the files on the arroyos although the files on the arroyos don't really lead anywhere we basically get no interaction with the like uh potential victims at all no not at all we like we deal with the daughter's son but she is in like one and a half scenes she is in one scene to establish that she exists and is in the final scene where a, a kidnapping is attempted to take place like she is, the, the Arroyos are completely irrelevant. No, they're not. Um, yeah. And so the plan is essentially to like put Michael on in like the personnel files and make him seem like perfect, like ripe for the picking. Like he's going like, to be divorced and broke and have kids and have alimony and he's going to have an alcohol problem. Yeah, no, it's, it is perfect. I it's, wonder it's if they fun. like don't show the Arroyos because like they don't want to like deal with the fact that like, 
Because again, I feel like there's this, they want to work with the slightly more working class person of the bodyguards. Uh, so not to deal with like the incredibly rich family. I think they just didn't have time. Like there's so much going on in this episode. There's so much exposition that they have to give us that like the, yeah, the like the, the family doesn't factor into it at all. Like this isn't like a full like kidnapping case of the week. Like this is dealing with like kidnappers. And I feel yeah. like we get a lot more about like the families when like Michael has to be like a negotiator, for instance. But when yeah. he's like on the other side, the, you know, victim is irrelevant here. Anyways, while they're talking, while Michael and Fiona are talking about like this new plan, Fiona seems extremely excited about all the paperwork to make up Michael's fake persona. And Michael's like, you're not usually excited about Fiona. You must like Campbell a lot. Uh, and then they have like an awkward moment about this. And then it's over, and Michael heads to his mom's house for a, quote, family thing. Um, he gets to his mom's house and walks in on Nate, ugh, pouring champagne, and Madag Madeline exclaims that Nate is starting his own limo company. And Michael's like, well, do you even own a limo? And Nate's like, uh, and Madeline's like, he does now. I took a loan out on the house. And immediately, oh. like, Nate freezes. And Michael is like, excuse me? <laughs> rightly so. Nate should freeze. This is a yes, plot fully for a rightly while, right? so. Yeah, like, Nate is constantly terrible with money and sticking to commitments and, like, following through with things. And Madeline has just taken out a loan on her home to help this fool do something. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, this you, causes a You also bit. call him the worst Weston in your notes. You have a lot of jokes in your notes that you should be saying. So here's the thing about jokes in the notes. So jokes in the notes are hard because I feel like some of my jokes are better, like, read, like, in your head. And, like, some of them, like, look better on the page than they sound, you know, talking. <laughs> it's yeah. not always natural to just, like, read off literally what I say. I do call Nate the worst Weston, though, um, yeah. because he is. He is. And that's, <laughs> and that's impressive because, like, Madeline is there. Madeline is also there. And also they have an abusive father who's dead, but still technically a Weston. Yeah. Uh, no, Nate's somehow worse. Even though, like, he's barely in the... I feel like... Yeah, this is... I, I was going to get to that. Yeah, nothing. Absolutely nothing happens. It's just they're like, oh, family drama, families, Michael connections, intimacy. I don't know. So, there's something in there, I'm sure. But yeah, so like Nate is confronted by the fact that he is the worst Weston and gets pissy and leaves. Madeline gets pissy at Michael for making Nate pissy and puts out her cigarette butt in Michael's champagne glass. And Michael's like, well, I'm glad I came over. This was productive. <laughs> And then leaves. Uh, I don't think we see Madeline for the rest of the episode. I think that was it. Yeah. So good use of Sharon Glass, everyone. We uh, we then have a scene where Michael hands over the newly doctored personnel files to Henry, who then hands them off to Lesher as Fee and Michael stake out the handoff. Uh, Lesher has a silky pocket square and most of his shirt and buttons are open. So this is definitely a crime guy to watch out for. He also has a fair of these in the scene. He has a bodyguard who's like, they identify as the muscle. The muscle. Mm -hmm. He's the muscle, but the muscle looks like Jason Bateman. Yeah, he does look very boyish. Like he, he does not look like the traditional like muscle that we're used yeah. to. Exactly. Like, he's not... I mean, like, he's wearing a shirt and it is buttoned, so I can't tell if he's, like, maybe built. But he seems like kind of, like, a slight guy. He's like, just a dude. He's also, just a dude. The, like, the 
there is somebody who muscles up Michael later in the episode, and it's not him. It's a no, completely it's not. unrelated dude. The muscle is just another guy who's there, never says a word, never does anything. Uh, and then they send a different goon to go take down Michael later on. It's so it's, it's and he gets a lower third in everything. He does as the muscle it's yeah. because he, he has does. a single muscle. It's so it's Alfredo, my my boy, my dude, we got to talk. So anyways, Lesher continues to play out of the Michael Weston handbook and even gets his own spy tip just for him during this scene. Um, this, or the next scene, I guess. So the next scene is Michael is like pretending to be, oh, what is his name? Brad? Is that what is? Yeah, his name is Brad. So Michael's, Michael's uh, alias is Brad, the sad divorcee. And so Lesher, playing Michael Weston, essentially, goes and pretends to be a sad divorcee on his own, like loudly talking near Michael to be like, hey, man, we're the same, but like not approaching him first. You know, no. you don't want to come off too strong. There is uh, something so the kind of interesting th- about the fact that like Lesher is being Michael Weston in this episode. I know. It goes incl- incre- it goes completely unexamined, but it would have been an interesting thing. Yeah. Like like the psych episode where another guy who has like complementary but slightly different skills like takes the takes the pressure off Yes, Sean, you know what I'm saying. Exactly. I lost steam there in the middle because I got distracted by something in my room. But, you know, it happens. That would have been an interesting exploration. Uh, The the bright yellow Scottish flag. The bright yellow Scottish flag. There's just so many shapes on it. I'm very tired. I've had a very long week and I've worked both days this weekend. So I'm on day seven of like just back to back scheduling and I am out of it. I know that feeling. Um, I did that a couple of days ago. (laughs) It's the worst. Yeah. Oh my god. So gosh. anyways, the sad the sad divorcee's bond and um, He's incredibly sad. I do enjoy how sad. sad like Michael's sad divorcee is. Also, it allows for like a very fun turn at the end. Um for for Michael's new like you know, he he he's closeted unhinged, but right now yeah. he's just closeted and sad. Yeah. But yeah, he's sad. So, he doesn't like. He doesn't like. Like he doesn't like his wife, and is like he has a problem with his kid. His wife always wants him to come to church. He says, <laughs> "Yeah, I remember that." And he doesn't want to do that, like, which I love because it reads like a scene, and like he's like a sad bad person, but like in a Christian movie. <laughs> Like, this episode has Chris. Christian movie vibes. Hey, Chris, would you say that it's like hell of a new year? Oh, my God. <laughs> the deepest cut of deep cuts. It is. But that's the thing. It has that vibe. Yeah, um, it, it, it does a little bit, especially towards the end. But we'll get exactly. to that. Exactly. So but the thing is that actually... I kind of associate this kind of vibe with Alfredo Barrios Jr., I get the sense that, like, that's his vibe. I bet, like, I bet he 100% goes to church every Sunday. I wonder. What else has Alfredo done? Hang on. I'm going to look him up. Uh, I don't think uh, 
crime guy recruits Michael in this um, episode, I or in, in this scene. I think I think he was just like <laughs> I might have an opportunity episode. for this you. This is a long yeah, game. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I think he's just like, hey, I might have an opportunity for you. Like, just let's keep in touch. Here's my card. Uh, I think that's all that happens here. I don't think that they go much further. Well, let's see what else is Alfredo done. Uh, he's going to be an executive producer on the recently announced Zorro TV show. Interesting. Uh, he worked on Magnum PI and Six. I think we knew that. He was on a show called Justice, not Dark Justice, just Justice, just legal and close to home, which included an episode called Hot Girl with three R's. Oh boy. So, is girl spelled with an I or a U though? Uh, n- there's no vowels. It's just G R R R L. Oh, like girl. Riot Girl. Yeah. Interesting. But hot. Yeah. Ooh, apparently he's also acts in Burn Notice in an episode in 2010. He plays Agent Ramirez. Oh, I'm I'm very excited. I'm extremely excited for that. Um. Okay, so that took us nowhere, but let's get back into the episode. Um, okay, so back at the hotel uh, that Sam is po- is kind of sitting on, Sam is fat, drunk, happy, and also has a master key. Uh, he has apparently had to do things to get it from the head housekeeper um, and notes that Carla's Cause... been having a lot of meetings recently, so something big is definitely cooking. Sam just, like, fucks his way into everything. I love that Sam is the femme fatale of Burn Notice. He kind of is. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, I mean, this show has a lot of problems, but never not once has Fee fucked someone for information or anything. Mm Mm-mm. Like but she, like she Sam has done it, it many but times. But Sam fully, definitely does it. Yeah, I know. He he fucked the ambulance driver or whatever from a couple episodes ago. Now he's fucking the head housekeeper at this fancy hotel. Sam Axe is a legend, and I love him. Um, something else that he mentions in this scene. This is what I wanted to talk about. So he's gonna get Michael into Carla's room. Blah blah blah. But like something else that he mentions in the scene from the reconnaissance is he is he's like I tried to use like the long distance like microphone to see if I could hear what her and her her flunkies were saying while they're having these meetings. And he's like, but they anytime that they're out in the open, it's just small talk. But we see every time she's having a meeting, it's out in the open. And, and and Michael goes like, oh, she must she's she's a pro. She's she's got to be careful. But like, where else is she having meetings? She's always having meetings, not in her room, but down at the pool. So when do they actually have the important meetings? If, All whenever her meetings out- are conducted through crossword puzzles. <laughs> but like we like in the next episode too, we see clips of like her having like serious conversations while she's in a bathing suit and guys with suits sit around her. But apparently anytime that we can see her doing this, it's just small talk. That feels untrue. It just yeah. seems like a convenient excuse for it's like, we don't have any more information that we want them to learn from Carla this way. So uh, she just won't have anything interesting to say. But no. I, it feels untrue. Given how it is, the information is presented to us, Alfredo, 
That's all I have to say. Um, the other thing that we learn is that apparently Carla's hotel room is like super high tech and has a facial recognition scanner on it. And so only authorized people are allowed in and out of her room. And one of the authorized people is uh, like a bellboy or something. And so Sam has like a picture of him and that's good enough to get it past it. Feels like bullshit, but maybe 2008 it, facial recognition cameras were slightly less, you know. It's it's possible. It does impressive. feel like bullshit, but like who? But then I don't know. You hear like stories about that all the time of like, oh, this is actually incredibly easy to fix. So maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like 2008 facial recognition scanners probably were less sophisticated. So like, I will give it that only because. <laughs> I don't have a better answer, but it does kind of feel like bullshit. But anyway, so Michael gets into Carla's room while she's having her meeting. Um, that's just small talk, apparently, because nothing important is ever said during the meetings. And he finds her hiding spot, uh, we, which we learned earlier from a spy tip, is called a slick. It's a it's a hiding spot that's easy to get to, but can like I, can I say out of the way? Can I really quickly that I want to thank you for the way you phrase that sentence so that you did not have to say finds her slick. <laughs> Michael finds her slick. Oh, deep God. deep Ooh. inside her hotel room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he finds her hiding spot and finds a bunch of files, takes some pictures and shoves the slick back into its place. He shoves the slick, Chris. Sorry, I died. I'm dead now. <laughs> uh, oh, did you finish? Good. Fuck. <laughs> I think it'll be less distracting now that you're 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 settled. Um, Jesus. <laughs> you started it. I did. I I know. You are a dirty little man, and My you need to just like, accept that. What I think is that like. I I throw a little bit in there for spice, but then you throw in a lot. I mean, that's our whole relationship. Yes. Is you'll try you'll try to like have a bit with me. I'll take it way too far and you will regret being alive. Mhm. That's, that's where we are. That that's roughly our dynamic. Yeah. Anyway, so um, the files that he finds in Carla's office are mostly just, like, pictures of people that we've seen related to the Carla plot this season. So, like, Jimmy, the Tunisian guy that made him the um, the access card, Michael himself, a couple of people that we don't recognize. None of them are the target, so they still don't know who the target is of this sniper. But, um, but it's all connected. It's all a big one story, guys. But I mean, we knew that already. So no, I'm saying, like, it feels like, like that scene looking out of those pictures was like, "Hey, look at this continuity, continuity." We're yeah. a serialized I've, show. Everyone's really proud of you guys. Burn notice. Um, so Michael, th- so while they're like reviewing these files that he took pictures of, Michael makes this statement that like. If he can, it, it may be the reason that Carla doesn't have a file on the target is because she also doesn't know who the target is. And so Michael's like, maybe if I can figure out the target before her, I can get off the blacklist. But it's not ever, they never bring it up again. And it's not exactly explained how that helps him get off his blacklist. 
He just kind of says it really seriously, and then it literally never comes up again. It, yeah, that is weird. I didn't even think about that because I just like got distracted by other things. Maybe he's and he's never really called it the blacklist before. Yeah, no, it's, it's it, it's just a very out of place line that is yeah. just in there. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I have no I, I know I have no idea what we're supposed to do with that because it never comes up again. So cool, I guess. Maybe he just has Their a continuity. On the blacklist, but for some reason doesn't want to. Like he wants to get his blacklist script produced. I feel like a lot of the Burnos writers actually wrote on the blacklist. That feels right to me. Oh. I've never seen the blacklist, so I have no opinion on it, but it's also a television show, so Yeah. It's related. Moving on. Michael and Henry meet up at a bar. Michael has officially been hired for Isabella's detail. So Michael is uh, his honey pot was just sticky enough, uh, sticky and sweet and deep, and they chose him, and he's going to be the bodyguard. Then Michael, as Brad, the bad security guard, goes and meets up with Lesher before his first day of work and starts telling him how good Isabella's security is because he's like, this is a common theme, especially this season, where their first impulse when they're trying to stop a bad situation is to just make it so that the bad guy, like, thinks it's too much effort and will just give up. It has not worked yet, but, you know, they keep trying. (laughs) God bless them. They just keep trying. Here's a thing that, and well, like I, a lot of, okay. A lot of times with this season, things seem to be happening pretty um, one after the other, because I feel like in some procedurals, the implication of the show is that we are not seeing all cases. We are just seeing the most interesting cases. Is that the case in burn notice? Are there... Is Michael also doing other cases that are not interesting enough th- th- to be seen? So I don't. And so, think like, maybe sometimes is. that does work. Maybe. But- well, so here's my thing. So there's I'm of two minds. So one, there's an earlier episode. I think the episode, um, the last time they tried this gambit, the heist episode, where uh, the guy mentions that he heard about Michael from someone whose plot Michael foiled. And the description was just vague enough that it wasn't directly connected to any episode that had happened. So it could have been an odd job he had done off camera and or it could have been applied to like a lot of things that we've seen. But also like the the way in which Burn Notice's plot works, I feel like they don't have a lot of time between episodes, especially like the next three, the these three episodes, the one last week, this one and the one next week are all like, they each take place right after the other one ends. So, like, I feel like Burn Notice happens too quickly for him to have off-camera adventures. Like, usually off-camera adventures are, like, um, like detective shows. Yeah. Like, th- those and, like, cop shows, those generally we, like, we know that there are other cases going on outside of the show. But, like, I feel like Burn Notice is, has too quick a pace in terms of, like, story for much to be happening off screen. So all I'm saying is I'm pretty sure they've done this gambit, like, five times and it has literally never worked. God. But he's gonna, but he's gonna try anyways. Bless his drunk Brad little heart. 
So uh, he meets with Lesher before work and uh, he tells him like, oh, so like this is like super overkill. It's crazy. But like I'm on her detail. And then there are like two other guys that are also there every time she enters a building. And Lesher's like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, That's a really good impression of Brad. (laughs) (laughs) That's like accurate. That is what Jeffrey Donovan is doing. It's like, oh, man, yeah, you got to see all this. No, it's like it's crazy. Um, oh, he doesn't meet him up with him before work. This is they they go to like a bar together or something, and that's that's where he's like spilling all this information. So Lesher drives him home um, drunk, and as he is being driven home, he plants a bug in Lesher's car. Um, drunk Michael heads to his actual home because he gets dropped off at like a Hilton or something. Uh, he gets to his actual home to find Fiona eating a yogurt and reading a magazine. Sam is going to play one fake additional security card. Uh, guard and Michael tells Fiona he intends to ask Nate to be the other one to kind of throw him a bone for his new limo business. Um, Fiona's eating Michael's last yogurt, but there's tahini and tuna, aka Michael's favorite meal, in the oven. But before Michael gets too excited, because he gets very excited when he hears tahini and tuna is on the table, um, it turns out that Campbell made the tahini and tuna. And um, okay, no homo, Michael will just go get more yogurt, I guess. Yeah. This. Who and gives a shit who made the tahini time, and tuna? This is not the first time on this show that, like, Fee has had another man cook for Michael. <laughs> and he gets very weird every time. And it's like, Michael, guys are allowed to cook you food. It doesn't make you gay. But, no, none of this. Oh, but so, it does, though. <laughs> so, Michael, no homo Weston. Uh, goes to get more yogurt when his mother calls him. Uh, or no, not mother, his mother, Carla. So he goes to go get more yogurt and Carla calls him and she's his, like, I know his you. His spy mother. <laughs> his spy mother. Business mommy. Mother spy. <laughs> Secret mummy. <laughs> mummy, me, you please tell me where the sniper rifle is, mummy. Who are you going to kill, mummy? <laughs> Just tell me, mummy. Why did you bird me, mummy? Unbird me, mummy. <laughs> I have a boo-boo, mummy, from all of the burns. I I want to kill people for America, mummy. <laughs> so anyways. I want to topple <laughs> communist governments, mummy. <laughs> Let them seize the means of production now, mummy. Oh. Oh. I want to prop up authoritarian rulers, mummy. <laughs> I want to protect so, American oil interests, mummy. <laughs> we, I can't. We have to stop. The bit is over. Um, so Spy Mommy calls him and is like, I know you've been naughty. You got into the building that you weren't supposed to have a key card for. And Michael's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Carla's like, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You need to back off. And Michael's like, um, actually what I need is to go get more yogurt because I've got gay tuna in my apartment and that's not going to stand. So the next morning at the hotel, Michael and Sam debrief about Carla while Sam hoards many toiletries. Nothing much happens in the scene, but the toiletry hoarding is fun. Then Michael and Nate have a quick, de- quick debrief about the job. Nothing much happens here either. It's just a series of scenes to make sure that we know, hey, remember Michael and or Sam and Nate are going to be extra security cards? 
Cool. All this right. sounds Let like establish that a good again. episode of television. Ugh. This is the thing with, uh, with Alfredo and with Ma- uh, old Big Daddy Nicks is that both of them are very like expositional. Like they, they have a lot of scenes that are just they have one conversation and move on. Like they just have like they're all they're they have so many useless scenes. They they over explain everything in order to yeah. fill time because what they actually write is not very interesting. So um, now that we've had like four exposition scenes in a row, Michael does his thing driving this young girl to tennis. And as he and his other fake boys are flexing with their presence in front of Leshru, who's watching from afar, the uh, uh, Isabella, the his young charge, kisses him on the cheek for some reason and tells him to lighten up. And it's just a very weird sequence, given that it's the first time we meet her and the last time she has a line in this episode. Like, she, like, tries to speak Spanish to him in the car, and he doesn't, he he pretends like he can't speak Spanish, and they have, like, a very short exchange, and by the end, she, like, kisses him on the cheek. She's, like, 14 years old. What's happening? This is, like, and, like the my- same, like, teenage girl that we got back early season one that, like, Michael talked about, that, like, didn't believe that her mom is being attacked. Like, it's the same, like... A teenage girl being written by someone who never was one and doesn't understand them at all. Yeah, it's just it was just very weird and out of place. And Michael has this little expression on his face like he's like really charmed that she kissed him on the cheek. And it's like, why? You had one conversation. This is so weird. It's like they're trying to establish a much closer relationship than they have any time to establish. But the thing is, that, like, the important thing is that young women need to be protected by paternal men and that's a good christian thing and it needs to happen and so like he's happy because like he can be the so like but michael could be this like strong man who protects this young woman okay uh your analysis is noted so anyway she walks off they all flex there's so much security lesher you better just give up um Back at the loft, Fee is taking notes on the bug in Lesher's car to confirm that, like, Lesher's going to give up. But Lesher goes off script. Uh, or no, that's, I've skipped ahead. But um, it turns out, even though the extra security is a big problem, whoever is paying Lesher is not going to be deterred by just a little extra security. So Michael needs to try harder to make this job seem not worth it. Michael goes and meets with Lesher again, laying it on a little thick about like how uh, how good this girl's security is and how drunk and sad he is when Lesher cold cocks him with his gun and tells Michael he's going to help them kidnap the girl. He's like, Brad, it's you and me. You're going to help us kidnap her. Um, otherwise, they'll kill Brad and his wife and kids who are in Orlando. Um so that is Brad just but yeah, you just try point. to kill my wife and kids in Orlando. <laughs> you should go kill them right now. Uh, go, no, he doesn't go do that find quite them. yet. He'll get we'll get there with him though. So back at the loft, Campbell gives Michael head stitches, because remember he got cold cocked, while Fiona and Henry look on. Henry panics because he's the client of in the case of the week, but Michael thinks that if he can convince Lesher that he himself, Brad, is a loose cannon whose own life is irrelevant, they could still get the deal called off. He's like, listen. He thinks that he has it like he he he's got me pegged. But if I turn the tables on him and like tell him that my own life is irrelevant, then maybe he'll get freaked out and quit. Um, 
So that's that's certainly a strategy we have not seen before. Michael yeah. lays the groundwork for this new plan by making Lesher thinks he's shown up to work drunk and is like really not comfortable with this whole plan and he's really having second thoughts. Uh, after Lesher heads off, Sam calls with news. The sniper has finished his tour of strip clubs and is back in Miami. Plus, Carlos had a lot more meetings than usual, so it seems like whatever job is happening is coming up soon. So Michael better wrap up this whole kidnapping thing. Back at the loft, Fiona gets them both a yogurt. Good thing Michael got more the other night, while Michael calls Lesher as Brad and pretends that he's had a religious realization during a very long and dramatic speech about angels, and he delivers this speech directly to Fiona as he's on the phone with Lesher, and, like, Fiona gets, like, teared up. And it's yeah, very, it's a very bonkers scene. scene. <laughs> it's such a weird scene, but it, again, it only makes sense. If Alfredo Barrios Jr. is a church-going man who cares, like... Because that's the thing. This also feels like a Christian movie. Like, where... Because there's a point in the Christian movie where, like, the person who's done bad things realizes they have to stop doing bad things and then, like, have to reject the worldly ways because they found Jesus. And, like, it's doing that scene. And, like, yes, it's a gambit. But the scene is so straight in how it plays it. And like, yeah, yeah, Fiona is reacting like, this is really powerful. Yeah, like both of them are like tearing up as Michael rants about like angels and how, you know, he's got to be better than this. Let me see if I can find a quote. It's because that's the thing is that like, it's so spot on. Like, I don't know how much Christian media you have consumed. But uh, like not not much. Michael is doing a really good job of the thing that a lot of like Christian media does 100% sincerely. Yeah, it it's a very very weird moment. But like I feel like the rest of the episode feels in tone with that moment. Like It does. Which is also weird. <laughs> It is weird. Like, I like that this he goes, like, unhinged. I like that he goes, like, full unhinged, like, archangel kind of crazy. Like, I think that that's a fun play for this, like, drunk idiot. But, yeah. like, the way in which the other characters are reacting to it just does not feel accurate at all. It just, it's a very weird moment. It feels very charged in, ze- in like, no direction. Like, they both just get really emotional while he does this fake speech to someone on the phone. And I just don't know what to do with that. There's all these, there's all this charge, and I don't know where it's going. No, it's going to God. It's going to God. Go to God now. Um, so Michael goes to breakfast with Lesher and continues to quote the Bible as Lesher yells at him. Um, and then he plays it off like, no, 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 you know what? You're right. This was a test. There's no kidnapping. You did great. Uh, Michael leaves and is accosted by someone that works for Lesher, notably not his muscle. Uh, so Michael takes him down and tells him to call his boss to say that Brad is definitely dead, but got but the muscle who's not the muscle got hurt in the process. Uh, and so as Michael is like trying to like cover up his own not death, he gets a call from Henry, who is freaking out because they're assigning a new bodyguard to uh, to Isabella, and Lesher is just going to kill the bodyguard and grab the girl. So 
Michael is like, don't worry, don't worry. We all have it under control. And so they all reconvene at the country club. So we cut to the country club where Lesher and the muscle from the beginning, who has yet to be muscly in any way, are both like holding extremely big guns outside of the fancy country club when they notice another car squealing towards them. The muscle. Why does he even need guns? He has muscle. I've... I think he only has the one, and they don't want to waste it here. Anyways, so the the muscle is holding a very big gun in his one muscle, and he turns and he sees a car coming at them, and all he does is scream, oh my god, unconvincingly, over and over again. And then after, like, ten seconds of this, Lesher's like, drive! But, like, it's too late because the car slams into them. And so Michael, as avenging Angel Brad, shoots at them and shoots at the car, and um, it, as, like, sirens ring out in the background and he puts under their windshield um, a list that is titled, um, let's see, what is the title of the list? I, re- I could have sworn I wrote it down. Is it These oh, Are yeah, Your so Sins? He, no, it's... At one uh, point he shouts, yeah. These Are Your Sins! Yeah, it's a very... This moment is very fun because he's just so unhinged. But yeah, he puts a list on the car that they're kind of trapped in because he has shoved his car into their car. Uh, It's called Crimes Committed by the Men in This Car. And it's like a list of things. So one of them is just like attempted murderer, attempted murder, conspiracy to commit murder. Like, it's uh, it's honestly not that convincing of a... He loves making lists, but it's honestly not that convincing of a list because there's no proof. Maybe there's proof further down the document. Who knows? So um, the police are coming and Isabella is safe and we literally never hear from her again. No. <laughs> so I'm so glad that we established that she kissed Michael on the cheek. Otherwise, nothing would have been different about the episode. So cool. Isabelle is safe. Brad is chaotic. Good. All is well. So my- Henry, Michael, Fiona, and Campbell all go to a celebratory lunch. Whoever hired Lesher got him uh, definitely killed in prison. So Henry is free and clear. Also, we learn that Isabella has been asking about Brad. Why? Yeah. The- she met She met him literally once. He drove her literally one time. One time. And, and then she saw him screaming religious obscenities at a man in a car nearby her. And she's like, man, I miss Brad. Maybe maybe he misinterpreted it. Maybe she's just like worried about Brad. Like, oh, what happened to that guy? Seems like <laughs> things went bad for him. Yeah, he seemed like not. he was not having a good time. No. Um, so despite them having like a four-way lunch, Fiona and Michael wander off on their own outside of the restaurant and Fiona asks for the seventh time this episode what Michael thinks of Campbell when Michael is saved from answering by a frantic phone call from Madeline. Nate is being arrested for his limo company being a front for illegal activity. But afterwards, a woman named Carla called just beforehand, not afterwards, so, uh, but she thinks afterwards, something may be up. but just beforehand. <laughs> After hers, but just before. Um, but before he got arrested, a woman named Carla called to tell her to tell Michael to stay out of other people's business. Finally, Carla seems to have learned how to raise the stakes. So Madeline's freaking out and Michael's like, don't worry, I'll handle it. It's fine. Uh, And so the gang realizes that something is up. So they go to the marina to spy on Carla when Michael realizes that this is all a setup. She's drawn him away so that the sniper can go take his shot alone. They they have just another an hour uh, before the next ferry arrives. So uh, Michael needs to go back to his house to get his to open up his slick 
and get the key card, and Sam is going to go to the sniper's house and see if he can head him off before he even leaves. A car chase ensues with Michael on a bike when Carla joins the chase towards the end on a bike of her own, and Michael just narrowly gets away by sliding under a semi-truck with his bike and gives Carla, like, the most crazy-eyed smile that is absolutely going to be the art for this week's uh, promo and um, gets away. When he gets home, though, he calls Sam to see if he managed to catch the sniper, and Sam's like, bad news, Mike, the sniper's dead. They booby-trapped his front door, and he, like, is for sure dead. And this is, he tells him this as Michael is opening his own door and he realizes something and jumps over the railing just as like his loft explodes behind him. End of episode. So this was a mostly underwhelming episode, but like the, the last bit is fun. Yeah. It's a good sequence. I, I, I like ending on Michael getting nearly exploded. One thing about this that like, I didn't think about while I was watching these episodes, but then when I was taking notes, made me realize that this was a mid-season finale. Yeah, it was. Like, it doesn't, like, it sort of feels like it, but it also doesn't, like, it definitely, in the sense that, like, of the pieces that they're moving to, they're, they've put a lot of stuff together, and, like, things kind of seem like they're coming to a head, but also, like, it has no urgency. And there's no sense that, like, things have really been building. And if yeah, I had been watching this season and not doing this podcast, it never would have occurred to me that this was a mid-season finale. But it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's very reminiscent of Big Daddy Nix's season one finale, where it's just a series of scenes where things happen. And they're like, isn't this exciting? And I'm like, not really. <laughs> I'm not emotionally attached to anything happening on screen right now. I do not know how these guys keep getting jobs. Stop giving them jobs until they have learned from their mistakes, which are being maybe, bad writers. Yeah, but maybe they're, um, like, easy to work with and, like, turn things in on time. <laughs> like, Neil Gaiman has a really good quote about um, the business where he says, like, there's being really talented being on time and being a good person who's easy to work with. And you only need to be two of those. And so maybe they're, maybe they're just not the talented one. Maybe. Yeah. So offense fully meant Matt and <laughs> Alfredo. Uh, anyways, let's get into some spy tips. Let's so there were tips. a lot... There, yeah, there's quite a few spy tips. Um, I think I think you'll agree with me on most of them that I've considered practical. It's a Barrios Jr. episode, so of course there's going to be a lot of spy tips because that's what they love. Um, okay, so the first one I thought was practical. Most people think snipers like to shoot from ledges. The fact is that the best sniper position is inside a room shooting out a window. It hides the shooter, masks the report of a supersonic round, and makes the muzzle flash impossible to see. There's enough, like, pieces of information there that, yeah, I'll take that. I'm never going to yeah, snipe I, someone. But, yeah. I mean, but if you do, you'll know how. Uh-huh. Although, I, to, like, I will say really quickly against that, I don't think most people think snipers only shoot from ledges. I feel like <laughs> most of the times people imagine snipers in a window. 
Like, it's not, I don't think, like, that's the thing of, I like... I mean, un- until uh, until we have more than anecdotal evidence, I think that we're going to have to table that and just allow them this practical tip for now. I'll, I'll allow them that. But, hey, listener, what do you, where do you think snipers like to shoot from? Okay, but, like, our listener base has seen this episode of Burn Notice, so they've been poisoned. Shit. You're right. This isn't a good sample size. Hey, Burn everyone Notice who is listens, ask your friends who don't watch Burn Notice where they think snipers love to Trust shoot me, from. you have a lot of them. <laughs> we don't, so we can't perform this research, but you do. Uh, okay, next piece of advice that I felt was practical. It's always a challenge hiding something sensitive that you might need quickly. Any hiding place involves a trade-off between security and access. Uh, the DIY versions of finding something that's high security but also easy access are called slicks. Easy to slip something in, easy to slide out. A. Hey. Oh. Hey. Hey. Yeah, that's uh, fine. That's a that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Especially the one that like we see in the episode is good. Yeah, exactly. Next, when you recruit someone, you let the target make the first move. You'll dress like him, drink like him, move like him, but you won't talk to him. You let him come to you. Uh, this is iffy. Well, but see, I liked the fact that they rec- like they they reference like just be near him and be like kind of his mirror. Cause like they, there's this thing in psychology where like, if you're trying to pick up a woman using her mannerisms back to her, makes her like more attracted to you because it makes them feel like it makes the person you're trying to attract feel like you're more similar than you are because you're sort of like mimicking their mannerisms. And like, that's part of this. And that's a, I think that's useful information. Okay. You know, I'll let you using physicality to let people trust you. Yeah. Um, okay, next. So this one seems like bullshit because we've already talked about it, but facial recognition cameras are worse than real bodyguards, even though they're cheaper because they can't tell the difference between a face and a picture of a face. I feel like if this was true in 2008, it's not true now. (laughs) Yeah, no, it definitely is not true now. Um, but like, I am willing to suspend my disbelief given that it's been 11 years since this, 12 years since this episode came out. 12, 13. Uh, it's been many years. Times were different. I'm also fine taking this off. I don't care. Uh, let's take, I, I, you know what? I want to feel assertive for once. Take it off. All right. <laughs> I want to feel like I'm in power. Yes. There's an art to drinking a lot without getting drunk. Start with a lot of ice to dilute the alcohol, order a new round before you're done so your half-full drink gets taken away, and of course, spill. Like, yeah, this is definitely a good one. Although, I I feel like you can't spill that many times. Well, that's why you, you do the other two things. Exactly. You get maybe one spill. Although, like, it depends on the situation. Like, I feel like you can only do that once with a person like if you have to like always pretend to be drunk around someone you can't like spill once a night and like oh that guy he's always spilling drinks but yeah i like this Uh, yeah that's a good one um unlike cars motorcycles don't have much of an aftermarket in stolen parts so their security measures are pretty easy to get around and super outdated the steering lock on a smaller bike breaks fairly easily then it's just a matter of getting away no that's good too i'm into that yeah, good tip. Let's steal some motorcycles. Uh, yeah, let's kill some motor. Let's steal some motorcycles and murder. And let's let's do some sniping and steal some motorcycles. 
the electronic stability program was originally developed to keep cars from sliding on icy roads. It's also a great tool for the precision driver. When you need to slide, you can simply turn it off and turn it on again when you need to maneuver. This feels less like a spy tip and more like a commercial for cars. <laughs> um, and yet. It really does. I suppose that's like useful to know. I would I would personally not know how to turn that on or off. Yeah, that was my thing. Is like like the only thing that gives me pause about this tip is that I'm not sure I would know where to find the electronic stability program. Is this a thing that's on all cars? I don't. I I know nothing. I've never about seen this. it. I don't either. know about. Yeah, cars. me either. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> that doesn't seem right, but I don't know enough about cars to dispute it. Yeah. You know, like this episode already has enough tips, so fuck that one too. All right, fine. Screw the electronic stability program. Uh, finally, a semi-truck has about four feet of clearance under it. Sliding beneath an auto-motorcycle is possible, but risky. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I like that it gives me the four feet of clearance. Exactly. Like, anytime, That's what he, makes... anytime he gives me a number, I feel like yeah. I've learned something. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like it's the fact that we do get four feet of clearance. Yeah. yeah. And that's six tips. That's a number, too. that's two. six tips. Yeah, so uh, in terms of rating this episode, uh, there were at least five practical spy tips in the voiceover, so it wins there. Um, did they solve the problem of the week with spycraft rather than violence? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of like yeah. pretending and, you know, conning the con, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is there a distinct alias, Brad the Sad Divorcee? I like Brad the Sad Divorcee. <laughs> Me too. I wish we got more like, out of him. The way that it ends, like yeah. I like Born Again Brad. <laughs> born Again Brad. Uh, yeah, Born Again Brad is great. And finally, were Fiona and Sam used well? Well, Sam got to fuck information out of someone, so he was definitely mm-hmm. having a good week. And um, hoard, hoard toiletries. And hoard toiletries. And Fiona got to do a car chase and make another man make Michael food. That's so, nice. That's nice. It's it not her usual thing. It still feels like this tendency for right now, as long as we're doing this, like, plot of, like, Them not making dating. Michael jealous. This, yeah, just, like, making Fee mostly be about this sort of romantic thing. I mean, she's always kind of that, but, like, even more so. Yeah. Making the plot be about the men in Fee's life. Yeah. Like, especially since the um, relationship between Fee and Campbell has, like, not been built up at all. And that's not really what the show wants to spend time yeah, on the doing. Show, but, yeah, like, the show doesn't give a shit about Campbell. No, it doesn't give a shit about Campbell. But, like, I feel like it should give a shit about Fee. Yeah, but it doesn't because it's Alfredo Barrios Jr. Like, Matt yeah. Nix and Alfredo Barrios Jr., she is just a hot piece. That's all they use her for. I want but the thing is that, like, Jason Tracy back in the house. Jason Tracy will treat my girl right. Yeah, but that's the thing is that, like, throughout this whole Campbell thing, um, like, I've never gotten a sense why Fee cares about this guy, you know, like, or why this is a thing, you know what I mean? And it's not interested in that, like, it's not interested in exploring her interiority about any of this. We have conclusively considered this episode a great episode of burn notice it is a alfredo barrios jr episode so i'm not exactly surprised 
Mm-hmm. Um, however, would you consider this a great episode of television? I wouldn't, no. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Kind of a stinker. Yeah, which is interesting because when we when you called me earlier, you were like, I feel like these were both good episodes. Well, that's because I watched this one yesterday and I forgot about it, but I watched yours today and I like yours mm. a lot better than mine. Ah. Uh. I watched this, uh, so, like, a week ago. <laughs> so the only thing I want you to arbitrate on, now that we've identified that this is an episode of television that happens to be a great episode of Burn Notice. Um, so I have the yogurt count at 3.5 because we three we see three yogurt cups, and then we get the mention of the yogurt drink. Do we count the yogurt drink as a full yogurt sighting? As opposed to a half sighting? Yeah. Well, I put half just to like remind myself that there is just the yogurt drink. Uh, I like it that it's a half. You it's like a half, half yogurt. It's a half yogurt. It's a yogurt drink. But it's not a proper yogurt. Okay. Well, to, to update There's... you then, this, this season has already had 12.5 yogurt sightings uh, compared to last season's nine total yogurt sightings. They they know where their bread is buttered in this show now. Mm-hmm. Although it we've is had buttered three, with yogurt. We've had, we've had three whole Nogurt episodes, though. So, mm. like, there's, there is more overall, but it, it seems to come in clumps. So there, there will be one episode where there's, like, it's a real lot clumpy of yogurt. yogurt. Yeah, a lot of clumpy yogurt. It's a fruit, fruit at the bottom yogurt. All right, but yeah. So that, yep, so that's, that is this that's episode. That's episode. That is this episode, and there's nothing else to say. So thank you to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can find out more about his music and listen to more of it at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And uh, until next week, bye. The angels are all around us. (laughs) 